0: good morning good afternoon good evening this is the rumble in the garden podcast and we're back what yeah the rumble is back new season new uh saint john's and i've got david david combs with us say hi
1: hi hi hey, listeners
0: Yeah, David uh, wrote for us last year, will be back with us this year Uh, We'll talk a little bit about him and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about Red Storm Tifoff, Where he went last night We're recording this on Saturday, October 13th Uh, St. John's just got some amazing good news And we're going to get right into it But first, remember to follow us on Facebook, Rumble in the Garden Follow us on Twitter, Rumble SBN follow our website, rumbleinthegarden.com. If you have an RSS reader, that's a good way to follow us. Or just keep checking in, come in, comment, hope to keep hearing from the fans, from hearing from people who are interested, and keep the conversation going. So, St. John's last year struggled for a chunk of the season losing 11 straight, and then had some spectacular wins. But... That undermanned team has been bolstered by a number of new players, players who sat out last year, uh, Mikey Dixon and C.D. Keda, but also a transfer, well, a JUCO in uh, L.J. Figueroa and a transfer, Mustafa Heron. Mustafa Heron uh, wanted to take uh, wanted to come back east, where uh, close to where he lives. He's from. Um, uh, Connecticut. And he wanted to be able to play immediately because mm-hmm. his mother has had some uh, some illness sy- symptoms and he wanted to be close enough to to uh, come back, but also not, I guess, lose his ability to play for the future. And St. John's put in the paperwork and we just heard this morning, Mustafa Heron is eligible. Now that's amazing. Uh, David, was there any yeah. buzz about heron as you were walking around tip off yesterday
1: uh yeah there was quite a bit uh I was looking forward to see him but then uh seeing on twitter that uh he wasn't gonna play was kind of disappointing but um kind of the conversation around heron with it being i think the term was on the two yard line for seemingly forever uh has kind of been a, a top the been the topic over the last couple of weeks around the around campus yeah i
0: mean I think that uh you know if They were on the two-yard line. I think there was a penalty. You know, the referees had to confer a little bit, maybe go to the monitor, see exactly where to place the ball. And then, you know, right before they were about to, you know, hike the ball, there was a timeout. You know, the the football metaphor, you can go on for this for a while because football games take forever, unlike basketball games. And that's why we watch basketball. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Heron got his uh, his special dispensation from the NCAA today. It was announced by adam zagoria this morning which i thought was interesting and a little presumptive because i'd heard yesterday morning that he was good to go but the school wasn't going to announce it necessarily yet so i don't know what went on you know in that day that said uh you know this news needed to get out or that um why the school was holding it back but you know it's a thing that i think was uh you know, was a uh, it was known that it w- there seemed to be a good case for it for some reason, and that's kind of interesting because the NCAA has been you know had a kind of a negative eye towards these sort of in season transfers, and I guess they've just changed their mind this year.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. I, um, it was feeling like a <laughs> like a good shot at it because at the beginning of the football season, it seemed like they were handing them out almost on the daily to a lot of the uh, the football players whose name is, uh Escape me at this. At the moment, um, but once we got closer to tip off, uh, it definitely seemed like the NCAA was uh, just waiting for for whatever time, and I guess it was the day after tip off, of course. But um, definitely excited to uh, have another guy to throw into that rotation this year.
0: Yeah, and it's not just another guy; it's another guy who can create a shot, <clears throat> a powerful slasher, and a player who's big enough and strong enough to perhaps reshape what it is that St. John's does uh I mentioned uh how you know there's this idea that last year Saint John's played a very much a very much a half court kind of look, but I do think that chris Mullen and Saint John's are willing to extend the pressure a little bit play more of a up and down game and uh I forget i think it was the the three man weave um podcast I think they talked about the idea that Saint John's is very events driven so it's a a team that looks for blocked shots for you know fast breaks for uh steals and with mustafa heron who has a pretty high steal rate uh shamari Pons with a pretty high steal rate justin simon pretty high steal rate and a lot of these kind of quick interchangeable guys i think that they can do a little bit more to uh, apply some pressure on uh, opposing defenses
1: uh absolutely and having more more people to throw in to uh, so those guys instead of just the that kind of thin seven man rotation they had to use last year, having Maybe even ten deep they can go in any given game just to keep an up and down pressure on any team is going to be it's going to be huge, but it's also a lot of the same guys last year that were able able to kind of thrive in that half court set as well
0: yeah, and I mean I think there are guys like Justin Simon who can play in that half court and can be good but might be even better in this sort of like up and down I don't have to go for my shot all the time sort of set
1: yeah yeah he'll be absolutely benefit from absolutely benefiting from the uh, the up and down pace um even some of the stuff from last night looks uh he even looks more like he added a couple things in the half court as well so Simon's definitely going to benefit from i think the the deeper rotations this year
0: and speaking of last night so tip off. You know, it was, it's always kind of a, you know, it's an an exhibition, not even really an exhibition, it's just sort of like a fun show. Uh, You know, a lot of players coming out and dancing, showing that good vibe, but what kind of feeling, did you get any kind of feeling from the team and how together or how united they seemed?
1: Uh, Yeah, Um, earlier, a couple weeks ago for uh, one of the charity events, uh, Marvin Clark Jr. really kind of hammered home the the feeling that the team has that it was a it was more of a family it's not it's not just a team it's not just basketball it's a it's a family vibe and at least uh the way the the players were interacting on the court it definitely seemed like a family guy family vibe not even just within the one the men's program but between the men and the women's program and the women's program by itself so the whole basketball program itself seems to be a really tiny tightly knit group that's excited to come out and win some games
0: and that's pretty exciting. Uh, I'll take this moment to say once again, you're listening to Rumble in the Garden, the podcast covering St. John's and, well, just St. John's, but we'll talk about the rest of the Big biggies, biggies too. Not today, because we're talking about the amazing, spectacular, oh, whatever, we're just talking about Red Storm tip-off. It's a, it's a show, you know, really more for the students than anything. Did the students seem like they were pretty into it?
1: Uh the students definitely seemed into it. Uh it was uh it was a packed house last night going up to the, the top of Carnasecca. Um they uh they definitely enjoyed the uh, the players dancing when they came out and they uh definitely picked up on the the big plays that happened during the the exhibition, uh cheering for the shots, the block shots, the alley-oops, uh kind of everything. They were they were into it. Uh of course they were excited for Sheck West as well, but um they they seemed to enjoy the the, the event from uh, from the get go.
0: And speaking of uh, players who shined, let's talk about L.J. Figueroa. <laughs> uh, he
1: it, he was fun. It was fun to watch him last night. Um, of course, doing the rim running, uh, the alley oops, the finishing at the basket. But I even think he took one real really good looking jump shot from beyond the arc. I, I don't I don't remember if it went in or not. But it looks like he's got a good stroke. So at least in a finishing and catch-and-shoot situation, I, I think he's really going to thrive this year.
0: I agree. I think that uh, Figueroa, even if Heron wasn't eligible, I think Figueroa would have made some noise. Um, mm-hmm. Notice that he went to the rim more than I would have thought he would have. And there was one shot where I think he got a kind of a you know garbage rebound, and he went back up with the ball from the right wing, maybe about like 13, 15 feet, and it looked smooth man
1: it was uh it was nice to see yeah his, his footwork around the basket uh, especially without having to dribble looks looks really clean so that'll i think that'll be a nice uh nice thing to in in the minutes that he gets this year
0: and anybody else stand out to you
1: um you know to to stick with the the bigger guys i was, I really like the way Kita looked um defensively he looked like a a big guy of course there wasn't a whole lot of defense being played last night um but he he definitely looked like he enjoyed contesting everything around the basket and then he also kind of does that rim running thing on offense where he finished like finishing off the off the alley-oops um off the off the dishes in the paint and uh kind of kind of like lj he's also got a, a smooth looking jump shot as well for the catch and shoot situations to to spread the offense and kind of different from uh, Owens last year, it looks like he has a little more range than <laughs> Owens did. Yeah. So that should open up the paint more for for Ponds this season. Uh,
0: one other thing that I personally noticed is that in their limited time, I thought that both Josh Roberts and Marcellus Erlington showed interesting skills for Roberts, uh, noting that he generally kept it simple. Uh, he looked like he had a little bit of a stroke, but he also looked like the kind of guy who, in a you know, organized half-court setting, he might look a little lost, but there's stuff to work with. And meanwhile, Erlington uh, hit a couple of threes, and they look pretty smooth. I mean, it was a not quick release, but you know he can do a few things out there on the court.
1: And I, I think that's huge coming with, um, with them being freshmen coming in, and with the roster that they currently have, they're not going to be asked to do a whole lot anyway. So if we can get them to to come in, do a do a couple simple things and do them well, then they'll be able to both contribute early and be in a position to to develop going for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. I mean it's a pretty exciting time. And with Heron eligible now, you know, you can see uh at least on Twitter, a lot of the national pundits. I think uh Dick Vitale might have chimed in even. Um yeah. but Jeff Goodman, um Dana O'Neill,
1: uh I think a few others, uh, I think was another notable oh yeah, one.
0: Rothstein, of course, uh, a lot of players or a lot of people are, are commenting on how, uh, you know, this is the year or, you know, there are no excuses or whatever, that kind of rhetoric. What do you think about all that?
1: Uh, I definitely think we have the, the talent and the talent and the depth. We didn't have last year. Um, a lot of the returning uh, producers from last year notably, uh, Coach Mullen noted, Simon, Clark, and uh, Pons of those three. So we've got upperclassmen, we've got talent, we've got the depth, so now it's just going out on the court and being able to find ways to win in uh, different ways. Um, One of our counterparts uh, with SB Nation, uh, Banners on the Parkway, I think tweeted out that uh, at least Coach Mullen's stole the coach there, kind of the the thought that he's not going to be able to put these together. But... I think between Coach Mullen and the coaching staff, I I think there's a lot of different looks he's going to be able to throw at teams, and uh, in his fourth fourth full year of coaching, I I think it's uh, everyone's putting their their game together for this season.
0: And certainly, it seems like the new athletic director Mike Cragg um, is interested in positioning this as a I'm here to help Chris Mullen learn, get better, um, you know, help him be a better coach. He's sort of like the coach of the coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of an interesting concept and, uh, you know, kind of a good one considering that Mullen comes in with, you know, little experience and every year I'm sure he's getting a little bit better, but you know, there's still a, uh, you know, still a learning curve for him.
1: Yeah. I think he's definitely improved every year, but I, I think also huge in that he surrounded himself with a, with a bunch of assistant coaches that are, uh, really gifted at what they kind of do. Um and as far as uh the new athletic director, Craig, uh I think huge for him is the, the development of the assistant coaches that he had at Duke. Uh notably um his name's escaping me, but the guy coaching at uh, at Marquette now.
0: Oh yeah, Wojo. Uh,
1: yeah, Wojo. I mean they're they were able to develop coaches down at Duke as well, so I, I think coaching development's gonna be um something he's really gonna bring to the table that we didn't have before.
0: For sure. And I mean, I think, you know, some people would push back on the idea that all the coaches are, are doing a great job and people like to complain about Mitch Richmond, though, obviously he has some sort of something because the players seem to really like him and like what he does.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. I think that while, you know, there's a lot of, you know, complaints about the coaching staff and such. And certainly it does seem to be sort of a, you know, Mullen picking people that he already knew instead of going outside of uh, the circle. I think that there also is a level of,
1: you know, I think St.
0: John, St. Jean, St. Jean does, you know, a decent enough job. I think the players are in decent positions. They just need to make shots. And I also think that, in Mullen's mind he's going with Luke Karneseck's idea that the thing that really wins is the players it's not the fancy schemes i'll point mm-hmm. out too that you know coach like Brad Brownell who before he came to Clemson was regarded as a very smart very excellent coach but without the players it doesn't make you into you know a world beating team
1: right and I, I think a lot of the uh, the unfair comparisons Mullen's gotten it's gotten as well as um, the the Hurley uh, curly that went, uh, just signed with UConn, uh, comparing him to the job he's done at Rhode Island. Um, I think, uh, obviously, coming from different spots at the the beginning of those learning curves, but I think Mullins made more than more than respectable progress upon uh, in that learning curve, and I, I think we're kind of there at least as far as the coaching staff goes.
0: I think that certainly like this rebuild could have been a little faster. And I think last year, some of the issues with late-game execution, I think they probably could have won a game or two more if they had just competed a little bit differently, executed a little bit differently, not fouled a three-point shooter in an overtime game with 34 seconds left. If you Mm -hmm. can't tell, that stuck with me. The, uh, the Kasum Yakwe foul on uh, Marcus Derrickson. It was like the like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. There's a lot of worse things to see. The world is filled with Bush. horrors right now. But, right. you know, I don't know. I mean, I think, like you, I'm positive or I, I have a positive feeling that this will be at least a good year. I'm thinking because I don't like to... I, I feel like
1: maybe NCAA, maybe. Um, I mean, it, as far as the last couple of years, the, the whole Lovett thing was kind of fluky too. So I, I don't know how much I hold that against the, the coaching staff, but this year, um, I, I think it's gotta be, you gotta at least aim for the NCAA tournament, whether that's um, how deep they would go in that is a, is a different question, but with the, the talent they have, the as much as has the, big to be the East. goal I, I think so yeah um, especially with how much the big East lost in the the most recent offseason um, there's there's no reason we can't be one of the at least the top three or four teams in the Big East and make a make a run at the tournament agreed
0: <clears throat> I mean I'd, I would add to that uh, you know one thing that uh, that John Rothstein brought up this morning is something that we've brought up as well that this schedule isn't, it's not the schedule that helps a marginal team get over the hump. It's a schedule that's probably closer to what held Nebraska back last year from getting to the NCAA tournament. That in a, given a weak league and knowing that there's a weak league, you know, there are a lot of NEC teams on this schedule. It's like four <laughs> NEC teams, Georgia Tech, Cal. I mean, it's a rough schedule
1: um it's definitely not going to be one of those schedules where they look at and say at least they scheduled you know really difficult teams but um um i i'm not sure kind of how they over i mean they they do still have duke on the schedule which is which is big if they can win that again as much of a long shot as that's going to be with how good duke is and in cameron right yeah that's that's uh doing us no favors this year but um, I mean, some of these teams—they look like they were decent teams when they scheduled them. Uh, like I imagine Jalen Brown was still at Cal when they scheduled that. Or, um, but yeah, some of these games, especially in early December, aren't aren't things that are aren't going to be signature wins if if they, if St. John's comes out on top.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for sure uh, the hope has got to be <clears throat> in that uh, those Barclays games that after they dispatch Cal. That they then move on and face a temple team that ends up being like a top two top three in the a ten, I think that's helpful. um Georgia Tech could be better, I guess Princeton could be better um uh yeah that's all that's all I've got here <laughs> i mean there's just not yeah. there's just not a lot of um there's not a lot of excitement in that schedule it's just just not.
1: It's a yeah, it's a lot of middle of the pack at best teams in their conferences. I'd say
0: bottom of the pack. I mean Loyola Maryland, <laughs> Bowling Green, well, Wagner's probably one of the better teams. St. Francis, Sacred Heart, Sacred Heart's terrible. I mean, it's yeah. uh, Maryland Eastern Shore. Ugh.
1: I mean, one uh, one other big game would have been would have been nice like it's, in addition to Duke um, to kind of cherry pick, I know Seton Hall is playing Kentucky, uh, Seton, and I think they're playing Louisville as well. So Seton Hall has one of those Seton out of his, conference.
0: Seton Hall's just trying to lose games right now. I don't know what they're doing over there.
1: Like, I wouldn't mind trading schedules with Seton Hall out of conference. I I think that would look really nice. But um, yeah, just one other big game would have been huge. Otherwise, it's it's a lot of I would say middle. You'd say bottom, and that's that's probably more accurate uh, teams in their conferences.
0: Yeah. I mean, what what it really comes down to is that St. John's is going to have to hope that the Big East bounces back pretty quickly. And I think they will. I mean, these are all pretty established coaches. And I think even DePaul can be better. And from there, St. John's needs to be a top three, top four team in the Big East. And I think that they're fine to get to the tourney. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I kind of agree. I I think a lot of these the Big East teams are a lot of them are going to maybe stay the same or improve. I think Georgetown might get better with the second year under Ewing. Um, Butler and Creighton never seem to be able to go away. Um, so I mean we'll we'll kind of see see what Steele does at, at Xavier. See if that uh, they lost a lot, but see if they can. Uh, make up for it with their younger guys and their grad transfer,
0: and uh, mm-hmm. I think there's two grad transfers, something like that. There's like three, two or three uh, immediately available p- players. There's like the Division II player of the year, who's a big center, and um, yeah. uh, a stretch four from I want to say San Jose State, something like that.
1: But yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
0: I mean, who knows? You know, again, who knows? I think the <laughs> the Johnnies certainly have the. The talent to outscore some teams, and hopefully this year they take Georgetown and they put them in a sack and beat them. I mean, um, you know, um, win <laughs> in a, an elegant and uh, pleasant manner of course. that makes the fans proud, <laughs> or put them in a sack and beat them. I don't know, one or the other.
1: <clears throat> yeah, a few runaways in the Big East would is it, probably necessary for us to for St. John's to really bolster the resume because uh with the schedule
0: yeah i think that 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 would uh i think that the way that they're doing the um ranking of the teams actually does somewhat take into account uh margin of victory i think it's like up to 10 points if i remember correctly and uh, i'm sorry for not remembering exactly how it's set up in the new system but you know something along these lines
1: right and it seemingly uh at least if you ask like Calipari or whoever, it changes every year. So, um, but some blowout wins would be would be nice. Get to see the the freshmen get some big uh, big minutes and or, I guess not big minutes. It'd be uh garbage time minutes. But um, yeah, uh, I don't think playing a bunch of close games like it felt like we did last year is gonna get it done. Even if we pick up some wins, yeah, turn those into wins for
0: sure. All right, and with that. <clears throat> I'm gonna say we're gonna we're gonna leave the podcast for now, pick up on a few more topics maybe after the uh, the uh, media day coming up this week, and uh, get ready for preseason play. Get ready for exhibitions. Get ready for excitement, and hopefully not for crazy drama where players are griping about shots.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice to that'd be a nice uh, change of pace this year that from last year. Yeah. For sure.
0: Any last thoughts, David?
1: Um, not a whole lot. I'm looking forward to media day on Tuesday, and then uh, maybe not quality basketball, but looking forward to some them playing Maryville at the beginning of November.
0: Yeah, and uh, you want to tell the people where they can find your your work, find you on Twitter, etc. Uh,
1: I, all my writings pretty much exclusively at RumbleInTheGarden com. So I'd appreciate it uh, some people taking a look at there, writing some comments, thoughts uh twitter it's uh just david g combs um uh, so david the letter g and then combs c-o-m-b-s um that's uh i guess that's the place to find me all, all right.
0: right thank you dave for coming you've on you've been listening to the rumble in the Pardon garden podcast <laughs> <laughs> where my my voice starts getting lost you've been listening to the rumble in the garden podcast uh this is norman of rumble in the garden you can find us at rumble you can find us at rumble sbn you can find us on instagram you can find us on facebook so give us a holler tell us what you think let's get this conversation going and you know let's get some good positive vibes uh for the rest of the year